Hello and welcome to the Simple Classroom Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Sutherland, and as always, I am so happy you're here. Thank you for pressing play on this episode. It's going to be a good one. We are talking about subplans. Oh, who among us has not been plagued by subplans at some point? I mean, subplans are the worst. If you are in a situation where you didn't know you were going to have to be absent and all of a sudden you realize you're going to have to be absent and you have to write those three o'clock in the morning plans or you have to text your team and beg them to make some emergency copies for you because all of a sudden you've got a sick kid or you're sick or you had some personal emergency and you can't just walk away from work. You have to plan to have someone else do your job for a day. And I would argue that of all of the things that are hard about teaching, the fact that you can never take a true break without prepping for it or without planning for someone else to do your job is one of the hardest. It's one of the things that I think really creates that feeling of burnout, that when you're at a point where you really need a day off, you have something crazy happening, or you had some emergency you weren't anticipating, smack you right in the middle of the school year, you can't just walk away from work. Where in other professions, you can maybe work from home for a couple of days, or you can say, hey, I'm just taking paid time off just make do without me for a little bit. And they can, they can reschedule your meetings. They can carry the load for you maybe. But in teaching, you have to execute a plan to be gone. You have to prep materials in order to leave. And it's one of those things that makes it so hard that when you need a break most, you still can't really get a break. So I have some ideas. I have some hacks for ways that can make sub plans simpler, more effective, and more stress-free for you this school year. And I can't wait to share them with you. Let's get started. Okay, so we are going to kick off this episode with a story time. When I was in my second year of teaching, I got in a terrible car accident on the way to school. And when I say terrible, I mean my car was totaled on impact. It was not my fault. This particular commute that I had involved me driving on a country two-lane highway for several miles. And then I'd get on the interstate for just a couple of miles and I'd exit and be at my school. But I had to be on this country road for a long time. And this country road had no stop lights, no stop signs. Oncoming traffic on this highway never stopped. So it moved really fast. It was actually a nice commute because you never came to a stop. The traffic never got backed up. It just cruised along at about 60 miles per hour. But if anybody wanted to get on this highway, the only way to do it was there were all of these little side roads with stop signs and people would have to wait to have enough clearance to turn onto this highway which you know can be dangerous on those country roads when you have people going 60 miles per hour and somebody wants to get on in front of you and they're trying to judge if they have enough time, which is what happened to me. I had a 16-year-old girl who needed to make a left turn onto this highway and she was going to have to cross right across my lane to do it and she thought she had enough time and she didn't. And me going 60 miles per hour and her coming out in front of me 
was just collision on impact. I T-boned her car and I didn't have any time to stop. I didn't have any warning. I saw her there and she was stopped and she was stopped and she was stopped and she was stopped. So I didn't tap on my brakes. I didn't feel like I needed to drive defensively. And then right when I was almost right up on that intersection, she decided to go. It was wild. I mean, my car got spun out into the oncoming traffic lane, which by the grace of God, I didn't get hit by anybody else. Um, We all had airbag burns on our faces and um, big bruises from the seatbelts on impact. My car was totaled. Her car was totaled. There were three kids in her car. We all walked away unscathed miraculously because it could have been much worse. This was a little two-lane road with a lot of deep drop-offs and neither of our cars fell off the shoulder into one of the ditches on the side. So we were all okay. But I was supposed to be at school in 20 minutes. And I was a very, very new teacher who was still living day by day. Like I relied on that morning time to make copies and kind of wrap my head around what I was teaching for the day. So I didn't even know what to say to my school. I knew I needed to tell them, I don't have a car. I'm not going to be there right now. (laughs) We have to wait for the police. I'm a little banged up. I might need to go to the hospital and get checked out because I hit my head pretty hard on the steering wheel. And I don't, I don't know what the plan is, but I don't know what to tell you what the plan is for my kids. So I was a little bit in panic mode, not just about the fact that I didn't have a car now, but about the fact that I didn't know what to say to my principal. So as luck would have it, one of the cars that was behind me when I got in this accident was one of my assistant principals. Um... So she comes running out of the car. She sees me. She comes running over and she goes, I'm going to call the school. I'm going to call the principal. We'll get someone in your room. Do you have emergency sub plan somewhere that somebody can pull out and use today? And no, I didn't. I was a very new teacher. I was flying by the seat of my pants to teach these kids every day. I absolutely had not had the chance to get organized enough to make emergency sub plans. So I had to tell her no. She said, it's okay. We'll figure something out. I end up being out of school for two days. I come back. And then the horror stories of how terrible it was in my room kick in. My teammate at the time goes, oh, it was a mess in your room. It was a mess. They just had a string of people coming in and out. They were all making up stuff to do. They had no idea where you were in your curriculum. They had no idea what to do with the kids. It was just a mess. And an important caveat here is that this was a very rural school, small school, only one to two teachers per grade level. And I taught fourth grade, so we were departmentalized. So I was the fourth grade reading teacher and my teammate was the fourth grade math teacher. And that was it. So there were no other fourth grade teachers in the building teaching the same subject as me who could just copy their materials for the day and pass them over. And I was at a point in my teaching where I was holding the teacher's manual and basically reading it like a script with some slides And I just didn't have anything prepped in my room for somebody to take and pick up and start teaching with. So when I come back and I hear about what a mess it was in my room and how difficult I made everybody else's lives for a couple of days because I was not organized, I felt a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt, a little bit of resentment, if I'm being honest, that I couldn't get in a car accident and walk away and just have people handle it and let me be in a car accident guilt-free. Like I was a little bitter that I came back and was met with, hey, are you okay? Also, your classroom was a disaster. But putting that aside, the resentment that we all feel from the teaching profession, putting that aside, I decided I'm not going to have this happen again. I'm going to have a system. 
So I made emergency subplans that I only had to write once. This was the solution to my problem. If I was going to have a kid puking on me in the middle of the night, or I was going to get in a car accident, or the number of things that happened. I mean, in my teaching career, um, I went into labor unexpectedly a little early before my maternity leave. So had to suddenly be out of school. Uh, my mother-in-law passed away on a Tuesday night, had to suddenly be out of school. I had our babysitter, when my kids used to stay home, our babysitter called us at nine o'clock at night and said, I'm not going to be there tomorrow. Had to suddenly call out of school. I've gotten sick. My kids have gotten sick. So many things can happen in a lifetime that will all of a sudden make you unavailable for work. And if we know that, if we know how unpredictable life is, but we know that every time we have to miss, teaching's going to go on and we need to have a plan for that, we may as well simplify it, right? We may as well make it the kind of plan that anybody can walk in, pick it up, and start teaching. And I decided I don't want to rewrite that every single time I'm going to be absent. So this is what I did. I wrote one set of very generic subplans. And what I mean by that is I took like my reading block and my reading block was structured with you're going to read aloud or it was it was structured with 20 minutes of whole group and then an hour of small group instruction. So for that 20 minutes of whole group, I wrote plans like read aloud a picture book and have students complete the graphic organizer. Boom. Whole group reading done. Done. I, all I have to do is just stick a picture book, any old picture book, and some generic graphic organizers that review skills we've learned so far that year in a folder or in a binder and just go, boom, that's the reading lesson. I don't have to recopy a bunch of stuff. I don't have to reprint things. I don't ever have to retype that. That plan can be the same forever and ever and ever. All I might want to do is if those emergency subplans get used is make sure there are still enough graphic organizers and then I switch out the picture book so it's different for the next time. But that's it. For rotations, I just put kids complete their rotations. They know what to do. They know how to rotate. Uh, my kids have a rotation chart in their desk that tells them what to do each day. It's a checklist. I will link to that system and what I do with my rotations in the show notes here so you can see exactly how I set that up. But the kids are very autonomous with their rotation time. I don't, I don't tell them when to rotate, how to rotate. It is all self-paced. I'm a big fan of self-paced learning in the literacy block um, so that I can call small groups with a lot of flexibility. I can keep one group for 15 minutes and meet with the next group for only eight. I can call a group to do some phonics work, send them away, call a different group up, and then call that phonics group back up to read and apply the phonics skill we just did, but give them a break in between. I can structure it however I want to. I love the freedom of that, and I feel that I'm a better teacher with the freedom of that, but no matter what, my kids have the same tasks that they're supposed to be doing every week. So they have that checklist there. They're moving around the room in this calm, controlled manner. I don't have to write anything down in subplans. All we're doing is skipping the teacher part. But because the teacher part was not built into this rotation, if I'm not there, the kids can keep doing their rotation work. They can still do their word work with their spelling words. They can still do read to self. They can still do listen to reading. They can still do the writing center because... I taught them how to do that even if I'm not a part of the equation. So reading plans were read out a book and complete a graphic organizer. Then the kids do their rotations. I never have to retype that plan. That lesson plan can be printed in August and stay until May. It never has to be changed. I just maybe have to switch out the picture book every time I'm sick. 
math. I put some games in some plastic page protectors, some Kim Sutton fluency games, and I created a rotation chart. And the rotation chart was have the kids work on Khan Academy for 20 minutes on the lesson that they've left off on. Then step two is let the kids play fluency games in pairs for 20 minutes. And then the last rotation was have the kids practice math facts on their whiteboards for 20 minutes. You could sub these things out with whatever you want. Um, Have the kids practice multiplication for 20 minutes. Have the kids practice fractions with fraction bars and models for 20 minutes. Whatever you want to do, whatever you already have prepped in your room that you want the kids to practice, a spiral review, and they're just doing everything for 20 minutes at a time. So a computer rotation, something I put in plastic page protectors that can be written on and reused for the whole year, and then some sort of whiteboard practice. 20, 20, 20, that's the full hour for my math block. If your math block's a little bit longer than that, you could put in um, complete the number talk, add in a number talk, and then just print a page of number talks for your grade level, and then just put a sticky note next to the one that you want them to do with an arrow, right? And then you could just move the sticky note every time you want them to do a different number talk so that you prompt the substitute to do a different one each time you're out. Math plans, done. You can make generic plans for any subject where maybe you have to swap out the materials or freshen up the materials, but what you write in that sub plan is the same every time. Writing, I had them complete the next letter in their cursive workbook and then write a letter to me about something they've learned this week. Okay, then you're practicing letter formation and you're practicing writing actual sentences and paragraphs and all of that. Just create a prompt that could be reused over and over and over again. Write about something fun that they're going to do this weekend. Okay, that answer is going to change every time they write. You don't have to change out the lesson plan. Science, it could be complete the next mystery science activity on their Chromebooks. Social studies, it could be read the social studies weekly and complete the activities together. You don't have to change it. You just have to put the next social studies weekly in there. I became the biggest fan of these um, reusable subplans of using generic language so I don't have to go in and retype a whole subplan every single time I'm going to be out. I just have to make sure that the generic materials I've prepped get freshened up. Now, you also need to include other things like your roster, which can be prepped at the beginning of the year, emergency um, plans, like if there is a fire drill or tornado drill or intruder drill, just generic instructions about those things, maybe behavior plans or health plans for applicable students, accommodations certain students need to have, the names and schedules of different aides that might be in your room, if that's helpful, dismissal plans, all of that stuff, which is a pain to write it all out. But if you write it all out once and you store it nicely throughout the year, you never have to do it again. Highly recommend. And then I highly recommend having academic plans that you can plug different worksheets into, but the actual language is super generic. So you only have to print it one time. 
If you're looking for some resources to learn more about how I organize my sub plans and you want to see some pictures, I am going to link to a blog post with some pictures from a few years ago of how I set this up in my classroom. And then I'm also going to link to you um, a link to the template pages that I have for creating these more generic sub plans so you only need to write them one time. So I'll link both of those in the show notes and then I will talk to you guys next time. Thank you.